we keep it a secret, we're basically saying it wasn't the right thing to do and we know it was. No, completely wrong. What we're basically saying is that right or wrong, we can't tell anybody. Not ever. Because nobody would understand. And our worlds, as we know them now, would end. Hardy hesitated, then went on. This is your damn 12-step program talking. I don't care what they've been telling you all this time. Having every issue out in the open, in the bright light of day, so you can talk about it and analyze how you feel about it, is not the solution to every problem. Sometimes the solution, trust me here, is you just shut up and suck it up. As always, with any even minor criticism of his AA program, McGuire became defensive. Talking about issues has saved my life he snapped. Maybe you ought to try it. You might surprise yourself. I hate surprises. Yeah, well, there's a time and place for everything. Not necessarily, Hardy said. And even if there is, here and now isn't it. In the middle of the afternoon, on the second Tuesday in November, the head of San Francisco's homicide detail, Lieutenant Dave Glitzky, got back from a staff meeting. The light on his desk phone was blinking, and he punched into a voice message from his best friend, Dismas Hardy, inviting him to a dinner that evening at Sam's Grill, where Hardy had reserved a four-top booth. Glitzky, he said, was needed. Cryptic, but that was Hardy. Glitzky should show up with bells on at 6.30. Glitzky usually made it a point to eat with his family, but upon hearing this message he realized that he couldn't remember the last time he'd been out for fun. Come to think of it, he hadn't laid eyes on Hardy in almost a month. The FaceTime they got had taken a bit of a hit over the past couple of years, a victim of the difference between their home lives, Glitzky and Treya with their second round of young children, ages five and seven, Hardy and Franny empty nesters pretty much over all that. Glitzky picked up the phone, about to call Hardy to say he couldn't make it, not enough notice, but instead paused, sighed, and hung up. Ten seconds later, now thinking he'd call his wife and ask whether she'd mind if he went, he picked up the phone again, then looked at it as though it were a foreign object and replaced the receiver. Treya worked as the private secretary to the district attorney, Wes Farrell, whose office was down two flights of stairs in the Hall of Justice. If Glitzky took the longest possible route, down his hallway to the elevator, then back down her hallway, she was about two hundred paces from where he stood. The inside stairway was quicker, and got him there in under a minute. Hey! Treya brightened and stood up behind her terminal as Glitzky came through the door. When she looked at him, her smile faded as quickly as it had bloomed. What's wrong? Is something wrong? I don't know. Well, something made you ask. It's just you show up out of nowhere with that frown on. That was my everything's fine frown. Here's an idea. Maybe you could work on an everything's fine smile, the way other people do. Smiling's not really my thing. Sometimes I feel bad about that, but it's useful in my work. He came forward and stood across the desk from her. 
Okay, heads up. Ready? He flashed his teeth, returned to deadpan. How was that? Maybe worth practicing. Slow it down a little. It could fly. I'll work on it. Treya's expression softened. Like her husband, Jewish on his father's side and black on his mother's, Treya came from a mixed heritage that showed in her face. Black, white, perhaps some Pacific Islander somewhere back in the gene pool. Five feet ten, big-boned and strongly built, she could project a formidable presence. Now she reached across her desk and touched her husband's cheek. Meanwhile, she said, to what do I owe the pleasure of this personal audience? I got a call from Diz. He wants me to meet him at Sam's for dinner. I thought I'd run.